Um, today I had a, I still, I'm, I'm on the verge. I've had a migraine all day, and I've been here working. And uh, the nature of this, the, the way this class is working is I've got to be two classes, two classes done ahead. So I had tonight's ready, which was sin, as you saw. Uh, and then uh, I had the next week ready which was uh, man's nature. Are we born innocent or, or, born, or born guilty of sin? And so just for fun, to try to be ahead, I started working on the third one out. And I got one scripture into the third one out, and I went, oh, no. I've got to do that one tonight. <laughs> it's so through the midst of... Um, migraine and blinding pain I sat in front of a, a screen with one eye closed and got it done I, I don't assume that that's going to make you happy because that means I'm going to hand you a whole nother set of verses that you didn't have a chance to look at yet and I apologize for that so let me hand this one out you'll understand once we get going why we had to do this topic No, the only test is of my patience in putting this together. All right, we'll be going. These are the scriptures we're going to go through today. Just let you pass that down. Hold on to that because that'll be next week's. Okay. I, I say it's going to be next week's unless I get working and then, and then I'm like I I want to have to deal with this first. Because I got to I got to be so here's here's kind of what happened, as I'm going through, and we were going to talk about sin tonight. You know, is it an action or is it a state? Um, the fall of man, all that kind of stuff. I realized we haven't even established whether or not you have any say or influence in anything that happens in your life. And so we've got to do that. Now, that may sound boring. It actually isn't. And this is so foundational. This is critical. That we, each of these beginning ones are, let's be honest, in my opinion, they're all critical because if you get any of these wrong, out, 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 of, out of line of Scripture, you are often, we're, you're going, who knows where you're going to end up. Um, so the topic, that, so last week uh, we went through and talked about Jesus, is he God or man? We read the scriptures. We broke down your thoughts up on the, up on the board. We uh, then sorted out and we came to the conclusion I had four coalesced points. Um, and that is that the, from scripture, the word is fully divine. That's uh, who Jesus is. The word is fully divine, one with the Father. He was called Jesus when he came in the flesh. Um, Jesus is fully human, made like us in every respect, born under the law and suffered when tempted. I, that, we all agreed that that was the case. It was right there on the board with Scripture. Jesus did not exercise his own authority. 
Uh, instead, he experienced life as a human subject to God, which is why he calls him my father. Even though he's God, he refers to him as my God. Uh, he emptied himself. He didn't speak unless the father told him to speak. He did not perform miracles by his own authority as the word. He did it because the Holy Spirit was inside of him. And then the last one was that Jesus spoke what the Father said and worked by the power of the Holy Spirit. Never mind, I already said that. So that was the fourth one. Um, So here's the time when I would ask, do you have any scriptures to add to the ones that I sent home with you? And the answer, of course, is no, because you didn't have the right scriptures to be looking at. Uh, uh, I'm terribly sorry. Terribly sorry. Do you mind if we go back and just review this from the first class? I want to set this there. Um, So as we're going through, as we're sorting out doctrine... Remember, these are the only assumptions. There is a God, there is a reality, the Bible is true. We all accept that that's fact. Uh, We talked about the different types of scripture. We talked about that there's different instruction types. So God gives commands and he gives guidelines. Things that you have to do, things that you should do. And there is a a difference. We looked at those. Uh, Unique versus universal. There are commands he gives individuals. There are commands that he gives that are supposed to be for all people. Prescriptive versus restrictive. Do this, don't do this. Thou shall, thou shalt not. And it, that's, that's a, uh, thou shalt not eat pork. That's a restrictive command. That would mean I can eat anything except pork. Uh, thou shalt eat chicken. Well, that means I'm going to eat chicken. It doesn't mean anything else. It means chicken. Okay, so it's, it's different implicit versus explicit um, it's obvious by just reading it what it means as opposed to it comes out, and, it comes out and, and says it. And then we use our interpretation is we're going to approach it as Scripture does not contradict Scripture. So when we read things that seem like opposites, they aren't. We don't understand it right. If it, if it seems opposite, we're wrong. Uh, we start with context. What, was, what did it mean to the person then? What, did they, what, did, what would they understand it to mean? When in the Old Testament, it says that uh, Saul went into the back of the cave and he covered his feet. You could sit here and go, well, I, I guess that meant he went back there and put his hands over his toes. No, that's not what it means. What it means is that Paul went into the back, or Saul, I'm sorry, Saul went into the back of the cave and went number two. He had to, that, there was a euphemism that they used. He had to because they wore robes, he had to drop his robe so he could clear the robe. And so that was referred to as covering your feet. We say go to the bathroom. We don't mean that we're going to go take a shower. We mean we're going to alleviate ourselves. That has nothing to do with a bath. Well, maybe it does if you have a problem, but it's just the difference, you know. I'm going to use the John. Nobody, I, I was telling Kate about this. I said, if, if you told a, uh, someone from China, I'm going to use the John, they have no idea what you're talking about. You have to put it into context. And then seeks the proper intent. What, 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 was, what was John trying to tell us in First John? What was James trying to tell us? Not what do we want him to tell us. What, what, is, he, what is he trying to tell us? So then we went through last week with Jesus. And he is fully God, fully man, like us in every respect, made like us. He suffered like us. All that's going to be very important. So this, do not let the, my introduction here uh, um, get weird. There is cause. Okay? 
causality, causation, whatever, whatever word you want to use if you're being highfalutin. Basically, that means um, what makes everything happen. Okay? Chris, you can go to the next slide and you can come on back down here with us. Cause. Does everything happen? Basically, uh, cause is control. Okay? What makes something happen? What has control of the situation? Is it God's sovereignty or man's free will? And as I was doing the third class, I realized we can't go any, we, we have to do this right now. This is where we've got to go. Cause, God's sovereignty or man's free will. So um, there have been two main traditional, with all kinds of variations in between. But uh, most theology, you begin with either looking and saying, uh, God is completely in control. You have no say. That's one, that's one extreme. Um, if, you aren't, if you don't know, most most of Christianity, and I'm talking more than half, believes that. That you have no say in anything. It was all laid out for you. It's called determinism. The Greeks had it. It was called fatalism. Or that uh, they, they had, what were the characters in their myth that set out the number of your days and what you were going to do? The fates, that's why it's called fatalism. The fates, they wrote your story, and then you just lived it. You had nothing to do with it. Most, and I'm going to guess that most of us in here don't believe that, but when you talk with people, they have been taught and absolutely believe in full determinism. You have no say. You do what he says, that's the way it is. We'll get into this, uh, and more specifically... Then you have uh, another group. The other extreme belief is free will. Uh, most of you probably find yourself in this category, right? Your choices are a result of what you want. I surrender to God or I disobey God. Either way, who made the decision? I did. It was up to me. And so there is a tension here between does what happen in the world, does it happen because men have willed it to happen or is God in absolute complete control or is it some variation of the two? I'm going to ask this question, why does this matter? Why does it matter? I, 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 can you picture in your head why it matters whether you believe you are in control or God is completely in control and you have no say why does it matter what's it? okay why would God make a sin if God if God's fully sovereign and I kill someone and I didn't have a say about it then ultimately who's responsible for that choice if I didn't choose it who's responsible well, that would seem to indicate that God is the orchestrator of sin. That's, a, that's dangerous. Why is this? 
What's, what, what might you perceive would be dangerous about free will? Right. We, are, we are in a very anti-determinism culture right now. We are, we are even, even non-religiously, we are way into that. You can't tell me what to do. My truth is my truth. What I believe, what I perceive, that is reality. Okay, not so. That's bizarre. All right, so you ready to go into this? Do you understand why this is, we want to understand this? Um, if God makes all the decisions, all of them, well, that would seem to indicate that that would mean he created sin, if he created it all. And if it's all up to us, then what in the world does God have to do with it? All right, that's what we're going to sort out. And we've got to do this. We've got to find out exactly how much. Do we have any control? Is there some? Is it down? Okay. So, let's get into it. I've got to stop saying that. It sounds too much like Chris Cuomo. Let's get after it. Doofus. All right. Let's start with the first scripture there. We're going to look at the scriptures concerning uh, the first scripture on your, on your, on your uh, sheet there. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay. What does this passage tell us? Okay. Well, let's kind of break it down into, into this. We're going to, we'll, we'll kind of write um, God's sovereignty. Well, we'll use this, sovereignty. So would this be a, is this statement about God's sovereignty or about man's free will? It's about God's sovereignty. Okay, so uh, uh, we have God did creation, which would mean what is, what is a creative act? He imagined it. He came up with it. He designed it. He executed it. Sounds like there's a whole lot of control in his hands there. Agreed? So then we go to the next one, which John extends it a little bit further for us. John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word. We talked about that last week. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God uh, in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. That was made. What does this tell us? What 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 what, uh, what does this share that isn't in Genesis one one? Okay. It's created. Everything is created through Jesus. What else does it tell us? I shouldn't say Jesus. I, I, I'm, boy, I hate doing that. I, I, I just, I'm going to be specific um, because he, he wasn't Jesus at that point. What else? Was that? Okay. That, now, he, he, uh, uh, Pat says God is the exclusive creator. Um, What do I? What do we mean when we say that God is the exclusive Creator? Nothing exists that He did not make. Nothing. 
everything that is has its origin in him. Ooh, wait, what? Okay. Does that kind of bother it? When you start thinking about that, that gets a little, uh, a little dicey. Nothing that is did not come from him. Okay. What else is in there? Is it, well, is there anything else? I think we hit it. I think that's it. I, I think we hit that not only was Christ there, was everything funneled through him, but also that he is a, the exclusive. Let's go to uh, Proverbs 16.4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. What can we glean from this passage? I thought you hit her. I thought you smacked her with your hat. You are. I guess if you had done it, you'd have been up and out of here. Oh, no, that's fine. I'll pick it up. What does that mean? Proverbs 16.4, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everything has purpose. That's rough. Now, I mean, does that mean that cancer has purpose? Does mental illness have purpose? Does the death of a child have a purpose? Ooh, is that what that's saying? I don't know. I'm just I'm throwing out the hard questions that I know non-Christians would definitely be. They hear that and they go, whoa, wait a second. You're telling me this? Anything else you want to say about this passage? No, 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 no. We'll try to get all of these. Uh, let's try to glean what we can from the scriptures, and then we'll try to put them all into, into context. I, do, I'm going to ask you this. I'm, again, I wrote this today, so... <laughs> Is there something significant about the fact that God has appointed the wicked for trouble? I mean, is, is there something there that we that we might need to? Is there a way, something we need to say and put up on the board about that? Right. And you'll be surprised we're not getting to predestination tonight. <laughs> that's, a, that's later. We've got to set this to even get there. Go ahead, Craig.
we'll look at that in a couple in a couple of others. That one will be down there. Pat, you got something? Let's do. Let, let's let's throw that in there. I like that. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna leave it at man. I mean, I, <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, actually, we won't get to Judas because the other ones are are just as good. Let's go to the, the next one. Proverbs twenty one uh, twenty one one. Again, uh, please, this week, go and, go and read these in context and see, check this. See if anything we're discussing is out of context. Okay? Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart. You know what? Would you, would you? Do you need, you need one? Okay. Take, that's good. Take that into as well, so they've got him. So Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. Well, it is out of our heart that comes our want, our desire. It is out of our heart our desire comes. I'm not going to blame God for that at this point. I, I, I don't have enough in scriptural information to justify that. All right, so what is this saying? It, it, it kind of goes to the God has authority, but almost more than that, I, I'm going to go ahead and just toss this in here. And I'm using man as a generic for I'm, women. You're not off the hook. It's just a shorter way of saying humanity. God steers the, that says to me, correct me if you don't think so, that God steers the desires of our heart. Okay. That's good. Good distinction. Good distinction. God can steer. Okay. Raises and lowers wicked nations. Yeah. Balaam. He had the he had the authority to speak on God to speak on God's behalf and was going to go and proclaim a message against Israel and there was an angel ready to kill him. But that okay that's 
No, no, no. That's a good one to consider later because it doesn't clear this up, but it definitely applies to what we're going to um, uh, look at. So Proverbs 16.9 says that the heart of man plans his way, but it is the Lord that establishes the steps. Um, what does that mean? Um, let me ask this. Does that seem to indicate that um, it's kind of that old phrase, the plans of mice and men? We make plans, but God decides what happens. We make, we, have, we make plans and, and God laughs. I, I think of the passage where uh, the man stores up all of his grain and he says, oh, now I can retire. Things are great. And God goes, you fool, I am coming and you, your life is mine tonight. So it, it, it's kind of a, the, our power is limited. Would you agree with that? We can, obviously, we, well, okay. Let's see. What does that tell us about our free will or our will? Okay. One, we can plan. So it is within, as God imagines and designs, it is within our power, obviously, to conceive, invent plans. They don't always work. So you can invent, you can have ideas, you can have plans. Sometimes they work. Okay. So that's good. That, that actually connects with uh, the concept of the man's will. Um, Acts 17.26 kind of hits a little bit on what uh, Jeff mentioned. It says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. Uh, th- that's not that nations happened because he made man. It is out of one man he made the nations. Uh, there seems to be a, a sense of control about that. Um, he, made, he, made, uh, he made all the nations having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So, what? That goes, and that's why the, that's why this is called determinism. It was pre-chosen for you. It was already determined. So, what does this tell us about God's sovereignty? Let's get to the scripture, and then that's going to be a perfect question. That'll be a perfect question. So I think that one would say that God raises, expands, contracts, and removes nations and boundaries. That's what it seems to indicate to me. 
Paul would later, I, I don't, I should, probably should have it in here, Paul. Paul would later tell us that uh, we are to honor the king and the nation that we are in, and he's talking to them about a, a very sinful nation, uh, Rome, a very hateful nation, and Paul says, um, as far as you can, you need to be at peace with them, and you need to obey, because every authority under the sun was appointed and established by God. And when he wrote that, Nero was emperor. If you know anything about Nero, Nero was mad. They believe he was mad from, I believe, syphilis. It had, it had, it had Swiss cheesed his brain. He, he was nuts. He was nuts. And Paul is telling them God established him. God put him there. That's... That was something I tried in Missouri Valley to get my church to understand when Obama became president <laughs> because they were convinced he was not supposed to be there. And I said, nah, not if you go by scripture. He is at that time for that place for that reason. All right, let's go to the next one. Um, Psalm 135.6. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the sea and all the deeps. Is God's influence or sovereignty at all limited? Was that? Okay. It's absolute, unlimited. Um, Daniel 4.35 says, All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? I like that. He doesn't say, Not only do we not have the authority to stop him, but what else? say God is, you're right, we can't question, he's above account. He's above account. Abraham does not say, God, you do, God, you do not have the right to do this. In fact, Abraham says, no, you, you absolutely have the right to do this, Lord. Uh, would you be willing to consider... <laughs> Would, would you be willing to look at it this way? And, and then he even gets to the point where he's going, Lord, I, I mean, you almost see him getting lower and lower. Okay, God, bear with me one last time, he says, uh, for 10 people, you know, and he keeps bringing the number down. And God, okay. But I think he did so because Abraham recognized he has the absolute right to do it. He can destroy this city. He can wipe out these people. Um, and Abraham recognized that fact. Yep. At one point, God looks at Abraham and says, I'm going to destroy the entire nation of Israel, and we're going to restart with you. Moses, yeah. He says that to Moses, and Moses goes, I don't like that. Please, don't do that to me. Right. 
yeah, yeah, you know, you promised the people. And God wouldn't have been unfaithful because he basically says, I want to re, Moses, you're still Israel. You're still a descendant of Abraham. We'll just restart with you. No, please don't do that. Let's love your people, love your people. These are hard. This is hard, but this is why it's important. We have to understand this because how do we understand who Jesus is? as God in the flesh. How do we understand mercy and grace? How do we understand sin? How do we understand forgiveness? How do we understand salvation if we first do not understand our exact role? Okay. Um, Exodus 9.12 say, uh, says, but the Lord God hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not listen to them and as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Well, what does that mean? That's, I'm telling you, this is one of the tough ones. You've got to be, this is, and this is why people will just, they just swing to one side and say, well, I, I, there's nothing I can do. God just hardens Pharaoh's heart and that's the way it is. Notice the word hardened. It was already there. So uh, one of the ways that I try to, I I perceive it, and please tell me if if you see this differently. One of the ways that I perceive it is that um, uh, I have my kids, and let's say we are in a respect battle, uh, and and you you don't respect me, you're not going, you know, and and um. I, as dad, know exactly how to harden my kid's heart immediately. That's not me entering into his heart, forcing him to behave a certain way. I'm not forcing him to. We would call that provoking, correct? I know exactly the buttons to push to get him to react. The question is, then, is that my fault or is it, is it ultimately his? I don't, I'm going to be honest. When, when I bring this one up, I don't know where we put it up there. Is God directly stepping in and saying, okay, here's your decision for you, Pharaoh? Or is he looking and going, you think you're a tough guy? Come, stand up to me. Come on, come on, Pharaoh. And he uses Pharaoh's pride against him. He hardens his heart. Is that what we're talking about? Why didn't he soften him? You can soften your kid's heart. Yes. But even as a parent, would you rec- do you recognize, those of you who have been parents, there are times when softening a kid's heart plays right into what they want. Sometimes you, you have to be hard with them. Sometimes you need to be soft with them. It, like Jesus, would you, would you say that Jesus provoked the hearts of people at times? Did he provoke the Pharisees? He did. 
and there were times when he softened. I, it, it's a, you say I would know. No, I don't. He, it goes back to a passage we'll read in a couple of weeks where he says, I'll have mercy on who I have mercy, and I will pour judgment on those I pour judgment on. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> he says that. I'm going to do what I want. That's why this is important. All right, the, uh, the next one, 1 Samuel 16, 14. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. Everyone okay with that? We're just good with that? It's not saying that God is an evil spirit, but that God instructed an evil spirit to go and do this along the same lines as when God wanted to punish his people he said you know what I'm going to send the wicked Assyrians to do it not only am I going to take you down I'm going to use a nation even more wicked than you to do it I'll show you all right okay all right uh and then Job I mean this really echoes into Job let's get to this and then we're going to get to the next ones uh Job says this of God, but he is unchangeable. Who can oppose him? He does what he desires. He carries out his decree against me, and he has many such plans. Therefore, I am terrified in his presence. When I consider this, I fear him. What's Job, what are we supposed to learn from this about God's sovereignty? Okay, well, we're back to God does what he, I do what I want. Limitless power. That's true. I mean, God was putting him in his... I mean, yes. And, and well, well, we'll get to this in a minute. Um, you're, I think you're right. What I look in there is, what is he afraid of? What is it really that Job is afraid of? He says, God has these plans and he can do it to me. What's the real fear? Fear comes from a lack of control. We only fear what we can't control. You realize that? His fear isn't, he's not, a, he's not afraid of God. That really isn't the fear. We know that perfect love drives out fear. What, what, what he's really afraid of is that, he, is that when he stands in the presence of God, he has absolutely zero control. He cannot stop that the Lord is doing this to him or allowing it to happen to him, he cannot stop his plans. He has to either fight him, which he's going to lose, or surrender to him. I run from God. It is not pleasant when God has a plan. 
most of us probably have. All right, let's go to the, the ones that look a little bit more at, at man's free will. Uh, Genesis 2, 15 to 17, says that the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you shall surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Um, what does this t- show us? Hmm. What is choice? Okay, let's put that over here. Yeah, we couldn't have choice if he didn't give it, but he does give it. So what is choice? Okay. It is God sovereignly not exercising his his sovereignty. Um, it is, he does, he does. But instead of making you do something, instead of making Adam and Eve do something, he creates a condition. You can do this or that. What he does is, and I think this is how we are created in God's image, he shares will the ability to choose is given to us. Okay? The opportunity, yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Oh, we're getting ready to have some fun. Deuteronomy eleven twenty six to twenty eight. Um, we'll read these. We'll, we'll read these uh, next two together. Uh, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of God, the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way I am commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. Um, I'm... I'm going to put that, I want to put, put that word up there because turn away is, is a key word. That by definition means to resist, correct? One of the tenets of Calvinism is, which is what most Christianity is, is that you cannot resist what you have been determined to become. Even as a Christian, if God calls you, you cannot resist him. If you are damned, you cannot resist it. You will be whatever he determines. But here we have in this passage, God, so is he lying or is he telling us the truth? He says that we have the ability to resist. Correct? To turn away means to resist. All right, next one. Um, Go ahead. 
Very good. Yep. Okay. No. It's interesting how he obligates us to something, but he does not compel us to something. And those are two different things. An obligation is something that you must do or there are consequences. Being compelled to do something means you will, there, there are no consequences. You only do it. And that's an that's a interesting distinction. All right, so James 1, though this one's going to have fun. James 1, uh, 13 to 14, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. What's that? Well, I, I, I would agree. What are the, in this passage, what would be the, what would be the keys that we want to, to hone in on? Okay, God will not tempt you. What it, let's think about that for a second. I'm not trying to be weird here, but what does that mean? If God will not tempt you, but you are tempted by your own desires, then your desires must not be under him, controlled by him. So there has to be a If God does not tempt, but that which is in me tempts me, then that means there must be something in me that is not directed by God. It may be allowed by God, but it is not, like the evil spirit, but it, it, it is not directed by God. Okay, so, well... Maybe. We're getting there. I think, yeah. We're using, we're using that word when it doesn't appear in Scripture anywhere, by the way. But, yes. Um, so, how would, we, how would we word that? Um, um. It, 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 it's hard to explain because I'm trying to find the right words now. See, I always struggle with words. Really what it is is that God has lent us authority to make some decisions that he will not override. Does that make sense? It's, it's not your authority. It's still borrowed authority. The police exercise borrowed authority. The authority derives from the people who have the authority and then by proxy extend it to law enforcement. And then they exercise it on, on, on their behalf. Does that mean that all cops are good? No, it doesn't mean that they're all good. But that authority is entrusted to them and they are able to exercise it. So um, we, have no over, we have no control over our consequences. Um, 
God does not compel our desires. Is, is, that, is that fair? God does not make us love him. God will not uh, make us choose what's right. God does not. He has extended choice. He has extended to us an area that he will not exert his will in. Is that an inaccurate statement, or would you find that accurate? When you look at Job, see, we often think, well, God made Job. Did he? Did he? After he was swallowed by the large fish, did God force him to do it, or did he... Could, could, uh, not Job, good night, Jonah, guys, I I just make it up, it's, Jonah is swallowed, he's told to go to Nineveh, he runs, and so God, he gets on a boat, takes off, God sends the giant fish, causes the sea and the waves and all this, is that God forcing Jonah to obey? Is he, is, is he making the decision for him? No, he is not. He is controlling the consequences of his wrong choice. He gets eaten by the fish. He gets eaten by the fish. Did Jonah still retain? Did God still allow him to retain the ability to say, I'm not going? Leave me in the fish? He did. But as most of us, when we get into a fish, we go, that might be my will to go. Okay. So, even in that instance, God didn't. So we will see, you see at times in Scripture where God uh, doesn't, God doesn't take no for an answer, but he doesn't take away their ability to say no. And there's a distinction there. My kids, my kids have free choice. I cannot control what my kids do. I can just control what I do back. I, I just control what happens to them. And in doing so, I'm hoping to shape their will, but ultimately, I cannot control it. God could, chooses not to. He extends that realm, and he says, I'm not going to step in this. We see that. Okay. Um, uh, Exodus 8.15, But when Pharaoh saw there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Now wait, this happened Before God hardened his heart, he hardened his own heart. So, God influenced his heart, but also he has influence over his own heart, right? I threw that one in there because it's just fun. Matthew 23, 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. What was God's will? That all of Jerusalem be gathered together under God's protection. Is that what happened? It did not. They were scattered. Until 1940, whatever. Six, four, seven. So here Jesus says, that's my desire. That's my will. That's what I want. But they weren't willing. They weren't willing to do that. So, again, we see... 
we can resist God's will. I believe it's the next passage also um, uh, uh, hits this. The Lord is not slow, just in case, because I, I, knew, I knew if you were thinking this, we are, I, could, I could hear someone, I don't know who it is, just one of you guys uh, saying, well, but Jesus did not exercise his own authority when he was on earth. Therefore, he wasn't actually exercising his will when he said that. So they, they are not really exercising, or they're really not resisting God's will. So I went ahead and said, okay, so let's take Jesus back into heaven. Now he's God again. He, or he was always God, but now he's returned to the throne. All authority and everything has been put under him. Here's what Peter says. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's just one. There's others where it says that God wants all men to be saved. That's his desire. That is his will. But according to Revelation, is that what happens? Though God wants all men to be saved, we are told they will be separated into sheep and goats. We're told that there's a wide path and a narrow path, and few are the ones that find it. We are told this. So what we see is that what I'm trying to get to is that there is an area that we get to exercise authority in that God does not countermand. And I, again, I'm going to have that we can resist. I mean, right? If God wants all men to be saved, but not all men are, are saved, does that mean men can resist his will? I, I don't know how else you say that. God wants all people to be saved. Some aren't. Anyway, okay. Right? Yeah, I can't control it. So Matthew 12, 36 and 37, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an, uh, an account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words will you be condemned. There is a key word in here. I always find there's always key words that kind of, that I add them because there's other passages that say what we've already said, but I want to add ones to add key words that really make the point. What's the key, what, what is the key word in here that's different? Go ahead. You cheater. You got the cheat sheet. Yeah. You got the teacher sheets. Well, that doesn't mean it's right. It just... Can God be careless? Does God act without knowing the consequences? Nope. Only man can be careless. Jesus says, you will answer for every careless word. Which means those words had to originate where? In us. I think I've got, what, one? Nope, that's it. All right, it's 7.30. Man, come on. What is wrong with us? Let's, 
let's, we're going to, we're actually going to stop here. And it'll actually work because this gives you, before we start drawing our conclusions, it gives you the opportunity that you did not have, which is to take these scriptures and put them into context and, and, and look at them that way and see if there's any other passages that uh, uh, would be beneficial that we didn't discuss. Let me, let, me, let, me ask you, let me ask you this, though. Do you see why there are people that swing to both sides of these issues? That, that's what always amazes me is it, it, it's, it's easier. You pick one. Well, it's either free will or it's God's sovereignty. But when you put them up next to each other, some patterns, I think, start to emerge, and you begin to see... It act, these things that seem opposite actually make sense when you, when you lay them all out next to each other. Is it that I didn't go fast enough or I started late or, or was that God's ordination? I don't know. I guess that's what we'll sort out next week. And then we'll get to the sin. So take the sin one with you, the next one too. If you've looked, if you've looked, at, you've probably looked at it twice because you've had it for two weeks already. But uh, hopefully, we'll get into we'll get into that one too. So the upcoming issues we'll 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 finish with cause because this it matters. I, I last appeal to you guys. People really think doctrine doesn't matter anymore, and we have just thrown it out the window, and. Then we wonder why we have churches. You can find a church that literally believes anything. And they'll believe two things that don't make any sense. And, and they won't listen to you. What, what, we'll, what we're doing here is basically doing this. We're all this way. We all have... Belief one, belief two, belief three, belief four. We all have these beliefs that we were taught and we picked up. And most of us, and I'm including, I'm including myself because I'm still this way. I'm, I'm still finding, finding this out to be true. So much of what we have is not built on the Scripture, but on what someone told us the Scripture said. That's, and, and, and what we don't realize is that we think this but there is absolutely no way that these two things work. You, you, you can't have both. And then we get frustrated. And then we go, I, well, I just, I just have faith. I just believe. Oh, whoa. That's, that's, no. Uh, so what we're doing, and this happened to me in college, is we're just, the goal is to just remove all this. And that's what we're trying to do. Is we're, we're starting here at the bottom, building the house, and we're laying the foundation. We're starting with the most basic things. Because now, uh, if we look and uh, uh, we start teaching, well, we did Jesus as man and God. He's fully divine. If, if I start teaching that God is, or that Jesus is man, and I build that wall over here, only man, well, it's not built on the right. I'm not building the house of God. Does this make sense? And so we're just, everything matters. If I don't believe that Jesus is fully God or fully man, I don't care how much I'm doing for him. It's not the same Jesus. There's lots of Jesuses. Some of them are called, some of them are called Jesus. There's lots of Jesuses out there. You can go, you can be talking about any of them. There's only one we want to talk about. 
So that's what we're. So don't be afraid if you start going. That's not what I think. It's okay. Because I, I'm I'm ready to abandon it all. I want anything that doesn't go back to the foundations. I want it to crumble so I can rebuild it right. I'm done. Yep. Go ahead. Last thing I'll have you, and I've got to go back and add this to all of the sheets that you guys take home. I'm going to add keywords in case you, keywords to think about. The keywords of what we're talking about that you, with this is you're going to want to think about um, sovereignty. What does that mean? You're going to want to think about uh, what does it mean to have a will and what is required for that will to be free. We want to use and think about choice, and we want to kind of so just just realize these are the these are the key words that we're kind of sorting through, and uh, when we end, I have a feeling we're going to. I tweet. I, I well, that sounds um, that usually means meth. No, uh, I I uh, my theology was tweaked in prepping this even today. I, I saw something I, I never saw before and put something together that even made it fall further into place. And, uh, and so I'm interested to see what you guys think about it, I mean, how, that, how that plays out. But we're going to see that. We want that to happen. All right, guys, thank you, and uh, we'll be here next week. Yep. For this one. Throw them at me so I can get them on here.